0: It's the Two Shot Podcast on Sunday. I nearly said Thursday, then, on the intro. Um, oh, so I'm just walking around the car park, waiting to go to work, waiting, because that's what we do, we wait. So, you want to know, don't you? How the hell did I end up booking the King of Funk himself, Niall Rogers, to come and meet me and a few hundred people at Kendall Calling Festival? So... My friend Shola, who works with Lauren Laverne at Six Music, she was asking me what I'm going to do, what guests am I going to have. And I said, well, look, in an ideal world, it'd be great to get Niall Rogers because we're there on Friday. She went, I know Nile's manager. Here, let me link you in on an email. This is how things work, people do favours. And he got back to us straight away going, this sounds pretty good, and this was a while back. He said, this sounds pretty good. He said, um, email me, like... You know, ten days before, and we'll see if we can make it happen. So I just thought, All right, well, I'm just going to have to hold this one out and throw the dice and see what happens. So a week before, I dropped him an email, just explaining more about what we do, and then he said, "How long would you need?" I said, "Well, usually we have uh, we have an hour with our guests, and I don't know if that's going to be possible. It's never possible in uh, in the festival, on the festival uh, scene, to, to get an hour with guests." Because people just don't arrive and if they do arrive on set, they're tired and Nile's been traveling, he's always working, always busy. And he said, uh I said, but I know it's an hour, but could we do maybe sort of forty minutes? Is that how's that? And he said, Look, I can give you twenty, but because it's Nile, you'll probably get thirty. And I thought, Well, that sounds good. But I can't do what I normally do. Like, if we even tried to knock on the door of Nile's life with, you know, 20 minutes, I mean, even an hour, it'd be impossible, we'd barely get to bloody primary school, the man has had such a life, so I couldn't get into it, so what was I going to do, I was racking my brains thinking, and I thought, I'm going to have to reformat it, so what I did, is I asked a few people that I know, to ask him a question, and then I would ask it to Niall, so very, very different to what I normally do, in fact, I've never really done that before, so slightly sort of trepidatious about that, um... But the questions I got were so brilliant. And I started off by asking him a question of my own, just to ease us in. Then I got Tim Burgess from the Charlatans, I got Jackie Abbott from the Beautiful South. Who else did I got? I got Jason Williamson from Sleeper Mods, Matt Everett from Six Music, Lem Sise, Scroobius Pip, Dawn French. Um, so a massive, massive thank you uh to all those lovely people who asked the question to Niall. Um there was a very emotional woman in the front row who uh, you'll hear, I mean, there were a lot of people very close to tears, because um, now he's, he's a warm and beautiful and uh, he's very, very honest guy, uh, and very gracious and got a lot of time for his fans. Um, he didn't rush straight off, he just had a few minutes taking some photos. And it was kind of overwhelming, because there was a moment... <laughs> when he was answering a question, he was going to great detail, I think it might have been about Bernard, and I just kind of came out of myself and went, Craig, that's Niall Rogers, and he's a, a bloody legend. And he sat right opposite him, and then I sort of snapped right out of and went, right, okay, okay, let's go. Um, so, yeah, very different format for me, uh, and I can't be more thankful to Niall and uh, his team for facilitating this and making it happen. Alex um sort of stage managing everything at Tim peaks producer griff obviously shola my friend at six music thank you none of this would have been possible without you so um whatever you're doing if you're having a lion in bed you're having some breakfast you're having a cup of tea enjoy we'll get some stories here this is episode 92 of the two shot podcast I nearly didn't say it then because I was thinking about Nile Rogers. This is episode ninety-two of the Two Shot Podcast with the legend that is Mr. Nile Rogers. Enjoy. I'll see you at the end.
1: Well, woo! How are you?
2: Okay, so Nile, how are you? Very well, Well, good. Now, normally, when I do this podcast, uh, I have big, long conversations with people about their life, but I thought with you, if we start, (laughs) we'll need about three hours, (laughs) and we don't have that time, sadly. So what I've done, I've reformatted the podcast this week, and what I've done is I've asked some of your fans to ask you questions. Okay, cool, that's great. And... We're going to start with that. Does that sound okay? So I'm going to start by asking you a question first. Cool (laughs) (laughs) t-shirt. So when I talk to actors on the podcast, what always comes up is that they never had a plan B. They didn't want to do anything else. So there's no plan B. And I wanted to know, did you ever have a plan B? Absolutely. (laughs) I I had a plan B and C. And what were they? Um, well, the perfect
1: plan B, if, if music, you mean if music didn't work yeah, yeah. at all. Mm. Wow, that would have been hard if it didn't work at all. But uh, science is sort of my uh, second love. Yeah, As a matter of fact, it was pr- my primary love. So uh, it was hard between science and music. I went to both science school and music school. Um, but um, I auditioned for Sesame Street and got the job. <laughs> and it was like school or Sesame Street, I'll take the job.
2: <laughs> so I've got another question now from a big fan of yours called Tim Burgess. Yeah. <laughs> so let's see what Tim has said, shall we? So Niall, he says, you produce Modern Love, which, was, which is ever-present on DJ sets. Oh, wow. He said thanks. It's an absolute banger. He loves it. He loves it. Cool. We're going to play it today. <laughs> and Tim wanted to know what's your go to single if you need to fill the dance floor? Oh. Oh. <laughs> it, it, uh, so if you have to, uh, yeah,
1: that one works pretty good. <laughs> um, um, g- good times always works. Um, um, yeah, Rappers the Light works really well. <laughs> um, I, I would say, if we absolutely had um, to get people dancing, no matter what,
2: uh, we, our family, would always work. Tim Burgess, I hope that answers your question.
1: <laughs>
2: now, I got a question in from the lovely Jackie Abbott, who is from the beautiful South. And Jackie says, she really wants to know, is there an artist that you'd still love to work with? Um, meaning they're alive? Yeah.
1: Okay. Um, um, someone alive that I'd still love to work with, that I haven't worked with. Um. There can't be
2: that <laughs> many, surely.
1: No, no, no. It's, no. No, there's actually quite a few. Okay. Uh, so I'm just trying to think of... One that would be really, really difficult for me to to get to, and I just have to sort of dream about it. Um, um, no, I've worked with Elton many, times, <laughs> many, like a bunch of times. That's easy. <laughs> um, someone really, really hard. Um... um it would, be, it would probably be somebody who's like a super, super, super big star, never has to worry about me adding to their music, and would sort of just be dragging me along for the ride. So somebody like Drake.
2: Right, yeah. That would be very exciting.
1: Yeah, that would be cool, because I, I think that somebody who's as consistent as Drake is, um, I would probably have to work really, really hard to say, let's do it this way, and... And, you know, and see if he would say, that's cool. I'm sure he'd say, that's cool. I think think he'd listen to you. Uh, You'd be shocked at how many people I've given advice to, and they go, so, Shakira, remember I said we should start the song with the chorus? And she fired me. (laughs) (laughs) Is that true? It's totally true. And I tried to give her an example. I said, no, 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 check it out. So... every record that you know of mine because we were having a meeting I said think about it goes one, two ah, freak out or we are family or let's dance or you know anything just you know everybody I said every one of my songs that you like starts with a chorus but she wasn't buying it and I got fired right after the meeting
2: (laughs) Shakira (laughs) Shakira What's, do people still give you advice? What's the what's the best piece of advice someone's given you recently? Um, uh, Bruno
1: Mars,
2: we, we were Bruno Mars,
1: Anderson Pack, and, and myself. We were writing a song at Abbey Road, and um, and I was doing these really what I thought were clever jazz chords, really amazing, and I was so thrilled. And Bruno said, "Hey Niall, you know that first chord that you're starting with?" I said, "Yeah." He says, "You got to change that." And I said, really, why? He says, you have to change that if you want it to be a hit. (laughs) (laughs) And God, no. He was right, because I've done that so many times to other people. And uh, I went home, and I changed the chord, and I went. I changed the name of the song to Listen to Bruno.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Now, the comedian, Matt Berry, has sent in a message for you, Niall. He says... Can you ask Niall to guess the BPM for Good Times? He says you'll understand.
1: Can I guess the BPM yeah. for Good Times? Yeah. The way we, we... Well, it's different every night because if we're overly hyped... He's talking about the record version. Yeah. Well, the thing is, is that our, all of our songs are live. We don't play the click or anything, so I don't really know. I think it's somewhere maybe around... Good time. I don't know about one. He's giving me the answer: eight or one ten, something like that.
2: Close, eleven. 11. Yeah.
1: One. Oh, all right. Oh.
2: Woo! <laughs> there you go, Matt. Well done.
1: Now... I'm glad I got it right or close to right. <laughs> I'm telling
2: you, at some point, it drifts yeah.
1: to one ten. <laughs>
2: They're both right. Let's just say they're both right. Um, Nitin Sawney, the incredible Nitin Sawney, has asked you a question about your tight guitar technique, right? He wants to know about rhythm. Do you think it's something that's innate or do you think it's something you develop through practice? Um, It all
1: depends on the the human being. Um, I think he meant
2: the human being being you. Oh, oh,
1: oh. Um, No, for me, it was absolutely practice. Um, As a matter of fact... Um, when, when I first started playing, uh, so my first big job, important job was with Sesame Street. Um, that didn't really change the way I thought about music because most of the music was, um, sort of jazz based or folk based and just sort of fun kind of simplistic type of music. But my second important job was at the Apollo Theater and I was interpreting music in a very sort of straight way. And boy, did they teach me a lesson about funk and how to groove and how to swing. And that's, that's what changed my life. And about the, specifically about the tightness of my technique. Believe it or not, this is totally true. Um, when I heard Donna Summer, I thought that Giorgio Moroder could play like that. And I wanted to be able to play like that. I had no idea that he had a pulse generator, and it was electronic. I thought I was like, "This is the tightest, funkiest human being that is walking the planet." So that's how I wrote the song "I Want Your Love." I was trying to copy Giorgio Moroder. I didn't know that you they th- that you could like that there was anything like a sequencer or a clock pulse, and that he was just like. Turning the notes off and on, I was like, "What are you kidding me?"
2: I thought he played that way. So, <laughs> Knitting, there you go. I hope that answers your question fully. Now, Jason Williamson from Sleaford Mods. Let's see what Jason says. He wants to know if you laughed at the bouncers when they finally let you into Studio Fifty Four after Sheik's initial successes.
1: So the problem is, is that people um they sort of don't really understand that story i just didn't i just didn't get into studio 54 that particular night which was um new year's eve 1977 going into 78 and But I had been in Studio 54 before that. I used to be able to get in regularly as long as I brought my girlfriend, who was actually quite popular at the time. This It was just that this night I was going to do business with Grace Jones. They slammed the door in my face. Don't listen to this word. But they said, oh, fuck off. And, and we tried to do it again because that's what Grace Jones, she says, go to the back door. So Grace Jones had a very peculiar accent. Uh, It was a cross between Marlena Dietrich, uh, Bob Marley, and Bella Lugosi. And she says to us on the telephone, we didn't meet her in in person. She says, so, okay, darling, I want you to go to the back door and tell them your personal friends of Miss Grace Jones. And that's what we did. We thought that we had to put on the accent. We didn't know that 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 was just Grace Jones' unique thing. So we went, hello, we are personal friends of Miss Grace Jones. And the guy slammed the door on our face. Oh, fuck off. We said, no, 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 no. We are personal friends of Miss Grace Jones. And um, they didn't let us in that night. But we had been in before. And we went and we turned our fuck off into our freak out. <laughs> And and that wound up uh, being, to this very day, the biggest selling single in the history of Atlantic Records. Over 22 million singles.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And and counting. So Lem Cissé is a, a brilliant poet over here. And he sent me a question for you. Let's see. He wants to know, about the We Are Family Foundation. Mm-hmm. And he wanted to know if you could share a little of what it means to you and what the difference it makes to the from the foundation. Okay. Um,
1: so I'm going to make it as sh- short as possible. Um, uh, September 11th, uh, we had... Uh, planes crashing into America and the first plane that was crashed into the World Trade Center had three of my friends on it. One friend I, have known, I had known since I was around 17 years old and two other friends that I, was, that I had known through the music business. And um, I was um, really moved. I wanted to be a part of the big overall music campaign but because I had done things like Live Aid and other musical big events I knew that um, somehow um, after the emotion dies, uh, the attention span goes away. So I wanted to do something that would last beyond my lifetime and hopefully be effective um, and we would do the right thing. So I established the We Are Family Foundation and now some um, many years after September 11th, We're still going strong and we're like expanding and we're all over the world. I mean, we're not like the biggest organization, but I would say that, you know, penny for penny, pound for pound, we are probably one of the most effective. Somebody wrote that we are one of the top five uh, teen or youth organizations in the entire world. So somebody else said that. I didn't say
2: it. But one day I hope that I can say it with confidence and mean it. I'm sure you will. This is so weird for me because I don't ask questions to people normally. We just have like a big ramble chat. So I'm not really good at reading questions.
1: That's okay. I'm not very good at answering.
2: Them, uh, oh, so. I think you are. So the lovely Colin Murray off of the radio. Let's see what Colin says. He says, hi, Niall. You've famously written, produced, and performed on records that have sold over 500 million yeah. copies. But what is the one album that you were not involved with in any way that you cherish the most as a music fan? Oh, um, uh, probably John Coltrane, uh,
1: uh, Love Supreme, or I, I'll, I'll have two. You have two. Um, it, it, since I'm 66 years old, I get two. Um <laughs> Uh, John Coltrane's The Love Supreme and uh, John, both, oh, both are John's, and John McLaughlin, Mahavishnu Orchestra, I would say
2: Inner Mounting Flame. Very good choices. Yes. I'm yes. not going to argue with him, neither are you. <laughs> so let's see who's next, shall we? Oh, the very lovely poet Scrubius Pip, has said, see what he said. What is the main difference in the approach to songwriting from working like in the 80s with, like, say, Madonna and Duran Duran to working now with like, Daft Punk and Pharrell? Um, well, the great thing
1: was is that they didn't want it to be different. They wanted it to be the way it was. So um, when Daft Punk approached me, they said that... Um, they had never really made a studio album in their lives, that everything they did was not with other people until they did the film score, Tron. So after they did Tron, they loved how it came out, the fact that they were interacting with other people, and they were like, wow, this made our music so much... I guess they thought it better. And, um, and so they played um, what were, at the time, demos... And, um, and I don't mean this in a disrespectful way, but the first thing I said was, okay, now turn everybody off except for the drums. <laughs> <laughs> and let me play by myself with just the drums. And after I did that, they were so happy. They then said to all the other musicians, which were spread around the world, okay, you got to redo your part to Nile Rodgers, because this is really where the vibe and the groove should be. Perfect, thanks. So, so, in fact, it was really old-fashioned.
2: It wasn't anything new for me. It was like the way we always do it. Right, okay. The very lovely Matt Everett, who works on Six Music, has asked... He wanted to know about your relationship with Bernard, but not just musically, but, like, as friends and the pressures that came with the success of Chic. Um,
1: we were the best friends in, in the entire world. I mean, we, um... We, we laughed so much when we made records, and it's sort of still like this um, even to this day when I'm working with people. But Bernard and I laughed so much uh, when we made records. People were shocked that we could even get anything done. As a matter of fact, um, when, when um, I was doing Like a Virgin, basically I brought in Chic as the band. And Madonna would get pissed off because we were like, laughing. And, and I assured her, sorry about that. Oh, now all of a sudden, wi- now the Wi-Fi is kicked in, right? Um, she, she was shocked, but I assured her. I said, I guarantee you we'll have all this stuff done in like a matter of days. And we did. The whole album we did in like, yeah, yeah. We did the whole album in like four weeks or something. And then we just spent the rest of the time, you know, fooling around and laughing and joking, and Madonna fixing a vocal here and there. But we're we're very very fast the way we work. People don't believe this, but it's the truth. And um, David Bowie's family will back me up on this: that I did the entire like uh, I did the entire Let's Dance album. The demos were, I did the whole album in two days, which I didn't even know. I honestly didn't know until the family sent me um, a disc of the album that we, we did the demos in uh, Switzerland at Queen's studio um, called Mountain Studios. And I did every song except for one um, in two days. And we did the real album in 17 days, mixed and done and never touched again. Yeah, that's why why you've never heard uh, any alternate versions of Let's Dance or Modern Love come out because there is only one it's like one take, that's it, done now we move on to the next
2: song, done move on to the next song perfect, I'm going to take one question from the audience be quick, yes please
1: Uh, thank you. Um, music, music, um, music has saved my life countless times. I, I don't mean to seem like I'm uh, overly reckless, but I guess I am because I've been at, near the brink of death and actually one night I passed away eight times and the doctors brought me back. Um, Actually, they brought me back seven times. The eighth time I came back by myself. They, they they, They were filling out the death certificate and the guy went, hey doc, check this out. What do we got? He says, we got a live one over here. He says, what happened? He says, I don't know, his
2: heart just started all of a sudden by itself. Are you good at stopping, Niall? Are you good at stopping working and just looking after yourself?
1: I guess he's re- ready to get rid of me.
2: <laughs> yes, Absolutely not. I'm very good at stopping. Is, is, that, is it time no, to stop? You no, know, some people, some artists <laughs> sort of, they work so much and they just drive through it all. Um, no, well, I love to work. Um, yeah. That's um,
1: my blessing and my curse um, because I work far too much. But um, I, I believe, and I sincerely believe this, that um, if you feel like you have a job to do, you 'll wake up the next morning, and as I said i 've survived cancer twice, um, um, serious crazy in fact inf- inf- like e coli and stuff, and they thought I was going to die and, and God knows how many times i've been you know, blood alcohol levels so high, it's like I could like fuel the entire country of Russia, which is, <laughs> which, is <laughs> which in and of itself would be a
2: really terrific feat. <laughs> now, uh, sadly, we've got to bring yeah, this to an right end. It's cool, but I've got one more question oh, for you. There you go. Should we see who it's from? It's from the comedian Dawn French. Oh, oh! I love and, her, and she says which of your songs was especially written for me, Dawn French? And she says, Niall, she says, and please, please don't feel obliged to pretend you don't know who I am. Tell the truth to everybody here about how much you love me. And then she says, do it now. Well, Dawn,
1: I really, really love you. Um, not only because you're a genius, um, But because you're good friends with one of my best friends in the world, I won't say. So
2: there, you're going to have to drag it out of me. Niall, thank Um, you so much. Please give it up for the legend, Niall Rodgers!
1: But she was the lead singer of Yazoo.
0: episode is done, Niall Rogers, can you believe it? Can you believe it? Little did we know two years ago, when we were thinking about names for this podcast in the Britain's Protection Pub in Manchester, where we sat for three hours, when the first time I ever met Griff, that we'd be uh, be asking and accepting a true legend of his craft on the show. Wow. Honestly, after after he left and I, I thanked him, I, I told him it was a real honour to have him on, um, I went outside just to get some air Tim Peaks because it was rammed. A massive thank you to everybody who came. We couldn't fit anymore. And if you couldn't get in, I'm really sorry. I had a few messages from people saying, Craig, I couldn't even get in the room. I know that's what happens. You've got to get there early. Where are we going to go next year? Who knows? I think we might. it might have to be the Legends slot. We might have to take over uh, Glastonbury um and have our own podcast legend slot um so a massive thank you to everybody who asked the questions there were a few people who got their questions in late um and I couldn't fit them in there were certain ones I just couldn't fit in oh David Morrissey massive thank you to you I did get yours in actually uh thanks to Sean Keevney, thanks to Jonas Policewoman don't worry there'll be a next time there'll be uh, more guests that you can ask questions to I'm sure maybe next time I might throw some questions out to certain people, to you, the listener, if we get our shit together in time and, um, we're organized. The festival stuff is a bit of a kickball at scramble, but we always get there in the end. Um, and anyway, yeah, I went outside to get some air and finally come down to earth because, uh, I was very, very high and couldn't quite believe what had just happened. And then I got word back from Nile from his team that he really loved it. He loved doing it. Um, So I couldn't really thank for. I can't speak. I'm still thinking about it. Anyway, what I'm trying to say is I'm very very grateful. Always grateful when people come on. It's a big thing. Um, But as I said, as I said, I told you I'm better going a minute. I'm losing it. Um, You know, trying to get into Nile, we would. We, we may, we may cover a fair chunk in three hours, but I've got a feeling we'd need a lot more. So thank you so much for downloading and subscribing. If you haven't heard the rest of the episodes, go back, flick around, see who you fancy, see who you don't. Maybe you don't know somebody. Um, You never heard of them. Click on it. You'll be surprised. Everybody's got a lovely story. And speaking of lovely stories, we have just recorded a bunch of new episodes And they're incredible. They really are. Some of them go down a path that you may not think it's going to go down. And some get very, very emotional. But don't worry, I'll be giving warnings out to preface the episodes before then. But look, I'm going to go. I'm not going to interrupt you Sunday anymore. Have a great Sunday, whatever it is you're doing. Embrace the Sunday. Be lazy. Read them papers. Pop down the pub, go down the gym, do what you want. Why are you listening to me? I'm not even giving you orders. It's not that. Just (laughs) enjoy your Sunday. And, uh, yeah, I'll see you back here same time next Thursday. And we'll see who is going to be there for 93. We're nearly at 100, guys. Nearly episode 100. Give me some thoughts about what to do. Until then, I've been Craig Parkinson. He's been producer Griff. And this has been... The Two Shot Podcast with Niall Bloody Rogers. Take care. Bye. The Two Shot Podcast is presented by me, Craig Parkinson, recorded and produced by Thomas Griffin for Splicing Block. Our music, our brilliant music, is courtesy of Then Thickens. Cheers.